DW Africa Link. Yes, the time has come to get all the updates from Africa and beyond. This is DW's Africa Link. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Josie Mahachi is with me, Jojo Kachi. Welcome to those listening to us through our partner stations and also on our Facebook page. DW Africa. You can also support us on Spotify. That's right. Now, coming up on the program, African leaders condemn Israel's offensive in Gaza as the AU summit comes to an end. We are continuing our talks today and we are supporting the Palestinian people. Also on the show was the AU's 37th ordinary session of Assembly of Heads of State and Government a success. For me, the launch of the Africa Club was a success. Also, the conversation around the next 10 years of Agenda 2063 was uh, also launched. That, for me, is also a success. Stay tuned for more of that and more coming up to after rather the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I am Okering Kushinado. Authorities in Rwanda on Monday rejected U.S. calls for the withdrawal of troops and missile systems from eastern Congo, saying they are defending Rwandan territory as Congo carries out a dramatic military buildup near the border. Rwanda's foreign minister in a statement spoke of threats to Rwandan national security stemming from the presence in the DR Congo of an armed group whose members include alleged perpetrators of the 1994 genocide. The statement said the rebel group, known by its initial FDLR, is fully integrated into the Congolese army. President President Bola Tinubu of Nigeria has come under fire for his frequent foreign trips, with some Nigerians questioning the necessity and cost of these journeys amid the country's economic struggles. Since assuming office in May 2023, President Tinubu has embarked on 14 international trips, spending a total of 71 days outside the country. Critics argue that these trips are extravagant and unnecessary, especially considering Nigeria's current economic climate. The president has, however, defended his travels, stating that they are crucial for attracting foreign investment and strengthening diplomatic ties. Israel is again on the focus of the International Court of Justice in The Hague. The United Nations top court on Monday opened a week of hearings on the legal consequences of Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories. These proceedings are not related to the genocide case brought by South Africa over the war in Gaza, but relates to a UN resolution on the consequences of the occupation passed months before the current conflict started. More than 50 states and three organizations will address the judges, including the AU, South Africa, Namibia and Egypt. The hearings will be held until 26 February. After that, the judges are expected to take several months to deliberate before issuing an advisory opinion. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. Yulia Navalnaya, the widow of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, has accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of killing her husband and vowed to continue Alexei Navalny's work. In a video posted on X, formerly Twitter, she called on supporters to resist Putin's regime more resolutely than ever. Meanwhile, EU foreign policy Joseph Borrell blamed Putin directly for Navalny's treatment in prison and said Europe had to show solidarity with Russia's opposition. We have to send a message of support to the Russian opposition and to pay homage to Navalny 
And in order to honor his memory, we propose the ministers to rename our human rights sanctioned regime with his name and call it the Navalny Human Rights Sanctioned Regime in order for his name to be forever written on the work of the European Union on defending human rights. That was the voice of Joseph Borrell, EU foreign policy chief. Ursula von der Leyen announced Monday her bid for a second term as chief of the European Commission, vowing to defend the bloc from forces aiming to divide it. Her candidacy comes at a time when the European Union is facing strong headwinds from far right, Russia's war against Ukraine is still raging, and with the spectre of Donald Trump returning to the White House, rattling allies. Von der Leyen has been EU chief since 2019. That's the latest news. I am Okiri Gushinado. And many thanks, Okeri, for that. And uh, just to begin the show, Josie, education, peace, geopolitics, climate, economy and international diplomacy were in focus at the just-concluded African Union Summit. This was the 37th ordinary session of the Assembly of Head heads of state and government of the African Union. Yes, the Assembly is the AU's supreme policy and decision-making organ that determines the AU's policies, establishes its priorities, adopts its annual program and monitors the implementation of its policies and decisions. DW's Buba Jalo takes stock of key highlights of the summit. The key highlight of the summit was the launch of a second implementation plan aimed at making Agenda 2063 a reality. Agenda 2063 is a blueprint and master plan for transforming Africa into the global powerhouse of the future. It contains goals for inclusive and sustainable socio-economic development over a 50-year period. The second implementation plan will run for 10 years, meaning that by 2033, Africa should be prosperous, integrated, democratic, peaceful, cultured, people-driven and influential. Still on the plan, leaders also identified flagship projects that need to be fast-tracked. They include the African Continental Free Trade Area, the African Passport, the Grand Inga Dam, the Single African Air Transport Market, the African Virtual University, the African E-Network and the African Outer Space Strategy. These projects are intended to enhance regional integration, economic diversification, innovation, competitiveness, as well as social inclusion and cohesion. However, these ambitious plans come amid critical concerns facing the continent, including peace, political and institutional instability. Climate change, economic governance deficits, integration challenges, poverty and the marginalization of women and youth in development and leadership processes are also other challenges facing the African continent. African Union Commission Chief Musa Faki urged for ownership, commitment and participation of all Africans in achieving the Agenda 2063 aspiration. Away from the aspirational talks, the African Union's health watchdog said the continent leaders will in quote send a strong message for the renewal of the main U.S. program aimed at reducing the spread of HIV-AIDS. 
The program until recently has enjoyed near universal support in the U.S. Congress, but lawmakers have failed to formally renew the scheme for another five years due to the hot-button U.S. issue on abortion. Geopolitics was inevitably at the summit in the Ethiopian capital Addis Ababa. Leaders at the summit condemned Israel's offensive in Gaza and called for its immediate end. AU's chair Faki said this. We are continuing our talks today and we are supporting the Palestinian people. Mauritanian President Mohamed Gazwani was elected as the chairperson of the union for 2024. He now takes over the baton of command from his Comoros counterpart, Azali Azumani. Thanks, Puba Jalo, for that report. Now, was the 37th ordinary session of the Assembly of Heads of State and Government a success? That's a million-dollar question, George. In fact, a billion-dollar question, <laughs> Josie. And, and that is the same question I posed to Emmanuel Bensa, a policy analyst with the West African Regional Bloc, ECOWAS. Uh, I think the summit was a success to the extent that February summits usually are a good time to account to the world and to the African people of what has happened over the previous year as far as the African Union is concerned. So to that extent, there are a lot of updates around uh, things like the Africa Club. The Africa Club will bring together uh, uh, African policymakers who have the responsibility of looking at finances of the African Union member states there has been a challenge of resources for the African Union, as we all know. And so the Africa Club and the launching of that club is a good opportunity to tell the world that the African Union, at a time that the African Union is now a member of the G20 since last year, is poised for growth, is poised to do things differently. So for me, the launch of the Africa Club was a success. Also, the conversation around the next 10 years of Agenda 2063 was... Uh, also launched. That for me is also a success because a lot of people talk about Agenda 2063 and say that 2063 is too far, it's too long. Uh, But so each year the African Union generally has a review of each 10 years up until they get to 2063. So the next, this 10-year report that has come out of, of what to look out for in the next 10 years of Agenda 2063, for me it's a good it's a good, it's, it's actually a success. It's interesting you're talking about success, uh, a number of successes, but that would be a different opinion from other people who look at AU as, you know, this organization that is just full of meetings, uh, big talk, aspirations with no implementation. So do you think the disconnect is in messaging or what is the problem? Okay, as someone who deals with communication, you see the African Union is often criticized for uh, many meetings, and a lot of us have been at the forefront of criticizing them at the time when we didn't know so much about them. Uh, and yes, sometimes the meetings are too many, without a doubt. Some meetings can be done over see, over Zoom and all these things. Some meetings can be collapsed into smaller or larger meetings, etc., etc. But this is an intergovernmental organization of 55 member states that has been around for 60 good years. Um, 20, if you're looking at the African Union itself, since it became the African Union. And so, of course, there are going to be a lot of meetings. Are we trying to say that the European Union doesn't have meetings? 
are we trying to say that all the other regional groupings and the regional economic communities do not have meetings? They will have meetings as long as those meetings come out with results that can be worked on. So, yeah, it's easy to dismiss the African Union, but if it did not exist, it would definitely have to be invented. Definitely, there's validity in, in developing the AU to the, to, the, to the point where we can deliver Agenda 2063 and create the Africa ordinary citizens want. Emmanuel Bessa, uh, Bensa, for that matter, a policy analyst with West African Regional Bloc, ECOWAS, uh, speaking to us. And of course, maybe for uh, for some reason, the audio quality would have been not really, you know, uh, sound, Josie. But what uh, Bensa was trying to hammer is the, the point that uh, the summit itself was a success. Mm, we apologize for that poor audio quality. Now on Facebook, we asked, do you think issues discussed in summits such as these are followed with enough action? to promote the continent's development, or is it all talk? Junior Mangok says African leaders like speaking out very quickly, but unlikely to fulfill their words. Africa continent need action, not words. Mm-hmm. Another one from Alex Moses says, unfortunately, no, mostly the issues talked about and stare at the meeting. Our leaders come home and everything remain the same. Rogers Mohammed says nothing good, only to brag about how their countries are moving forward. And but if, if they are moving forward, why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And Charles mm. Benyana is saying, I hope they are ready to solve the conflict in southern Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Children are not going to school and more killings every blessed day. Military is dying, separatists dying, civilians dying. For how long, African Union? Okay, thank you so much for those comments. I also see one here from Ovid Actions. They say, why are people from their continents attending our summit in brackets bedroom when they don't invite us to their own summits? I don't know what exactly you mean there, but thank you so much. Keep those comments coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Just to remind you all, you're listening to DW's Africa Link program. We broadcast every Monday to Friday from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I'm the co-host, Jojo Kachi. Join the show on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and share your thoughts on the stories that we are covering. Still to come on the program, we feature a Tanzanian graduate who is hustling to make ends meet. Experiencing disdainful looks, scolding and hurtful words has been a recurring aspect of my life. Society and even some of my close relatives have been shaming me for the mismatch between my level of education and the job I do. Also, we will bring you update on what I should call drama, massive drama <laughs> surrounding. surrounding the Bundesliga lately. Mm-hmm. But for now, Josie, we head to the Democratic Republic of Congo and the security situation continues to deteriorate in the town of Goma in North Kivu province following the threat posed by M23 rebels to this town in east of Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, some of Goma's inhabitants have even begun to leave the town, despite the clear determination of the countries in the region to find a favorable outcome to the crisis between the DRC and Rwanda, which is accused of sponsoring the M23. Iram Atipo gives us more in this report by DW's correspondent in Goma, Zaneb Neti Zaidi. Since bombs dropped from rebel positions began to reach the city of Goma, some inhabitants have taken refuge in other towns, fearing for their safety. 
Jean de Diokulondra, a resident of Himbi, is now home alone after all his family members moved to Bukavu at the weekend. My parents, who are elderly people, my younger sisters, my younger brothers, and even some of my older brothers, saw fit to leave the city after the rebels dropped bombs in various parts of Goma. When bombs also fell on the airport, the whole family was so frightened that we decided to leave the city. For the moment, I am staying at home on my own, but the security situation is very frightening. On the morning of Saturday, February 17, two bombs exploded at Goma Airport, damaging civilian aircraft, according to the Congolese Army, which reported that Rwandan Army drones had fired on them. Meanwhile, the region's heads of state, including Chisekedi and Paul Kagame, met in Addis Ababa for a mini-summit on the security crisis in eastern DRC. According to Johnson Butaragaza, an observer of socio-political issues, the positive outcome of this meeting was to prove to the world Rwanda's direct involvement in the conflict, for which it has always denied responsibility. President Felix said, if you want us to even open any breach of exchange, rest assured that you have already left our soil. In other words, if you don't leave, we won't negotiate and we'll continue the war. This mini-summit, initiated by the Angolan president, had, among other things, evoked a return to constructive and reconciliatory dialogue between DRC and Rwanda. But for Johnson Butaragaza, it will take much more than this approach to bring peace back to the DRC, especially as President Chisakidi has not backed down from his decision never to engage in dialogue as long as the Rwandan army remains on its territory. The African Union should behave like a continent organization whose main mission is to work on the unity and harmony of African countries and here we have one country attacking the sovereignty of another, and consequent measures should be taken. On the same occasion of the 37th Ordinary Summit of the African Union, Presidents Indaishimeye of Burundi, Ramaphosa of South Africa, and Chisekedi of DRC held a tripartite meeting on the deployment of Southern African Development Community Troops in Eastern DRC. Thanks, Aram, for narrating that report by DW's correspondent in Goma, Zanim Neti Zaidi. And of course, Josie, these differences between the two neighboring countries keep giving. And, and mm-hmm. we had a question, should Rwanda remove its troops and surface-to-air missile systems from the Democratic Republic of Congo? Potifa Tembo says this is a sensitive matter that should be handled with care. And Jocks jo, uh, Jose, you saying I, I thought it is Jose, <laughs> but it is Jose. I think both countries should find common ground. Uh, it's so sad for Africans fighting Africans. And Abraham Awo says Africa presidents have money for war, but nothing for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And Mark James, you're saying Africans will never unite, but why? Mm-hmm. Africa needs peace.
Jamika Mkido says, have U.S. withdraw their troops from DRC? Thank you so much for those comments. Remember, we are live on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You can also tell us what you think about this story. We now head to Tanzania with Pias Lufutu, a young Tanzanian graduate who holds a PhD in mass communication. But due to high rate of unemployment in the country, he has been working as a janitor to make ends meet for himself and his family. And uh, Josie, for that now, uh, Lufutu, despite his academic qualification, he has not been able to secure a job that matches his education level, I should say. Consequently, he has no plans to quit his current job due to significant life difficulties he is facing. DW's correspondent Naomi Cheng brings us up to speed. As he moves through the university corridors with his cleaning equipment, you might mistake him for any other janitor. However, despite his uniform and the nature of his work, he is a holder of a PhD in mass communication, specializing in communication development and has been employed here for a decade. Pius Lufutu is a 33-year-old janitor at a university located in the city of Mwanza in the northern Tanzania. He was born and raised in that city and he currently has three children. Pius has a family to take care of and due to the high rate of unemployment in Tanzania, his current situation has forced him to hustle in odd jobs such as cleaning and mowing instead of using his PhD to self society. And now that some of them are trying to do whatever it takes to survive, there are still challenges as he explains. Experiencing disdainful looks, scolding and hurtful words has been a recurring aspect of my life. Many people fail to comprehend and support the work I do, causing me a great deal of distress. Society and even some of my close relatives have been shaming me for the mismatch between my level of education and the job I do. And this attitude often leaves me feeling disheartened. At times, their lack of understanding and unfriendly language breaks my heart. His life has been a journey filled with many trials. Despite graduating with his first degree, he was unlucky in securing a job in either private or government organization. This resulted in him not having a proper or direct income like others. Although he feels heartbroken, he has not regret using his saved money to pay fees and go back to school. He still holds on to hope that his education will one day pay off and lead him to success in his professional journey. Finding a job can be challenging, Lofutu explains. Most of the time it boils down to connections, who you know and where you come from. Without connections and big names or a well-known family, it can be a real struggle. Only a few lucky people can secure a job based on their qualifications alone. He has been there as he explains the situation. Until now, I have applied for a job 22 times, but I have only been called for an interview once. Unfortunately, there were two positions available and over 600 people were competing for them. Getting the job has been a major challenge for me, and I'm not alone in this struggle. Many young graduates are facing the same difficulty. 
There were times when he had nothing in his pocket and he couldn't provide for his sick child. When he reached out to people for help, they asked him what he was doing with his education. This broke his heart and he started to resent the effort he had put into it. He came to understand that a man without money is like a beautiful vessel that has been broken. To young graduates, Lufutu says they should prioritize self-employment while job hunting. When we step into a classroom, we should not feel like we are only there to get employed. Instead, our aim should be to create an environment that promotes self-employment, an environment that challenges us to use our education to create value in society, irrespective of whether we are employed or not. Additionally, young people should avoid rushing to acquire properties. Instead, we should move slowly but steadily and have a clear plan Lufutu, they are inspiring many people and of course that is a piece by our very own Naomi Aching from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Mm, and George, you know it's a situation that's not just in Tanzania. A lot of graduates in Africa actually like doing other things now. Um, some I've seen in Zimbabwe actually hawking, like selling stuff on the roads or cleaning cars, washing cars, just doing odd jobs. It's it's a problem everywhere, not just in Tanzania. Yeah, definitely. But uh, the, the inspiration and the highlight of that story is that a job is a job provided you are earning a decent I understand, but then remember if you, if you, the job you're not doing is not enough for you to meet some bills and then you ask for help from people then that's when they start mocking you about your the, education <laughs> that's the problem now <laughs> anyway I mean education is very important very very important it's just unfortunate that um, there's so much high unemployment on the continent we move ahead to some showbiz. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. <laughs> Studying in your country, George. Definitely. Kenyan comedian Elsa Majimbo has raised eyebrows after she made allegations against British model and actress Naomi Campbell, with who they once had a close friendship. Elsa's eight-minute video alleges that Campbell's actions led her into alcoholism and depression. Now, flashback to 2020, Josie. Elsa and Naomi planned a holiday together after a chance of meeting in Kenya. Their collaboration dreams crumbled when Naomi threatened legal action over a documentary Elsa did without her consent. Amid laughter and shared visions, Naomi's unexpected legal move shattered their friendship. Elsa's revelation has set social media ablaze with this unexpected clash of comedic brilliance and supermodel drama. I hope you watched that, Joe. You should have watched the way she was narrating it so calmly and, uh, you know, applying lotion, (laughs) spraying perfume. She was just a comedian, natural one. But anyway, from Kenya to Ghana, where another chef, Ebenezer Smith, wildly known as Millennium Chef, is embarking on a remarkable journey to beat the Guinness World Record for yet another longest cooking marathon by an individual. He kicked off the longest cooking marathon on February 1st. Today makes it 19. Days in Accra. Mm, Josie, which record are you breaking yourself? Everybody else is breaking a record. <laughs> Let me think about it. <laughs> okay, let's continue with this uh, story about Ebenezer Smith. And after two rejections, he got the green light in November. Inspired by Nigerian chef Hilda Bassi, he's spicing up Africa's 
uh, culinary scenes and originally set to end at 360 hours he is extending the cookathon until March 6 2024 meanwhile abena kwatema has also started cookathon on february 16th what is happening with this cookathon people what is happening is guinness already records. paying people or what no 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 people are breaking records and Hilda what is Bansi yours open, uh, for me i'll tell you let's <laughs> <laughs> let's start with let, let us start with But you wait, first wait 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 there was a ganian who just finished now right yeah and they've she's not yet been rewarded not yet the plaque yeah. and now this one is talking of 1000 hours before he even finishes on the 6th of march another one is started again on the february 16 yes don't you think this is selfishness or greediness amongst no 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 it's a matter of breaking the guinness world record <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> anyway quickly let's go to bundesliga george Yeah so where do you want us to start Josie It was a weekend full of drama in the Bundesliga world in the latest developments from Germany's football scene matches in the top tier Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 are shaking and on the brink of abandonment amid an escalating dispute over an investment proposal Yeah I thought you wanted us to talk about uh, Bayern München losing but anyway let's no. continue with that fans a protest took an unconventional turn creating a challenging atmosphere for reaching an agreement over the controversial plan of an external investor likely Luxembourg based financial company SVC uh rather CVC acquiring a stake in German football league DFL the entity overseeing both leagues and German police also halted a train carrying football fans between the northern German cities of Rostock and Hamburg on Saturday night recording the identities of 855 Hamburg supporters in an operation that lasted around six hours you see the the the, the drama around Bundesliga <laughs> <laughs> definitely the police said they were looking for 60 people allegedly involved in an incident in September 16 2023 when a brawl uh, broke out in Mannheim main station between HSV and Borussia Dortmund fans okay anyway that is some drama now you do you want to talk about uh, Bayern Munich uh, and well, losing <laughs> how do you feel about it do you think like uh, they are likely to lose the I just feel like the way Nigeria lost to Ivory Coast but anyway <laughs> on that very note I have to love and leave you until tomorrow I'm your host Josie Mahachi and I am Jojo Kachi DW Made for Minds